friends. Welcome to another episode of the Yes You Can podcast. My name is Hannah and I am your host. I have a lot to update on. I have not done a podcast episode for a month. Of course, there's a bark. Of course, there's a bark as soon as I start. And there's good reason for that, I swear. I recently wrapped up my first round of Instructor Magic, which is a course. I'm going to call it a coaching program, actually, because it's really gone beyond a course for instructors to level up and tap into their magic in the areas of musicality, marketing, and motivation. Those are my three areas of genius, and I wear them proudly um, as a person who's been in marketing for the last 12 years now, which is wild. And as a former DJ, current DJ, and as somebody who communicates really authentically and tries to make motivation and inspiration my, the, you know, the big focus of why I teach and why I lead others in fitness by sharing my story and amplifying theirs and allowing them to connect to my words through movements, which means you can go a little bit deeper. So anyways, I could go on and on and on about it, but it was such a special such a special time and such a special group of people that I was leading through this course. And I was learning from them, to be honest, that I took some time away from things that I just didn't feel like I could do fully. And that, that included podcasting. And to be honest, like this is something I do for fun. There's absolutely no revenue generation from this, which is great. It's one of the few things I'm doing that is, is not, but It just means that sometimes it gets lower on the priority list, but I want to bring more content. I I feel like every time I release an episode, I'm reminded of why I do this because I get feedback from people. And I recently did a poll about what you all wanted to hear about and money was top of the list. So I'm coming to you with a two-part series on money. One is going to be me just speaking as I am now, kind of a free thought flowing discussion on my experience with money now in my thirties and coming from a place of strength where I feel like I finally, finally have a good handle on, on it. And that doesn't mean I have buckets of it. It just means that I understand my mindset and my motivation for how I approach money and also my history and, and where there's been some wounds from it. Like there's some parallels in, in why I'm coming to you now with a discussion on money and how I teach others that they should motivate by sharing their stories. And that is that I don't, personally feel like you can motivate others with your story until you have come to a place of healing and growth and true understanding because otherwise you're going to be leading from a place where you're still figuring it out to a degree and you might still be in a place of pain and for a lot of people myself included money can be something that feels really like shame driven It's this thing that we in society and we in our friend groups and we in our families like don't talk about. And that is wild when you think about how open and transparent we are about so many things about gender, about sexuality, about trauma, about mental health. Like I'm just naming things that we now feel in my lifetime more open about and feel like we can be more 
um, I personally feel like we can be more transparent about and forthcoming about to those we love and having really open conversations that like break down these barriers that exist between us. And yet, and yet money is still this like final frontier where I, I'm highly aware that some friends of mine are completely fine with being open and, and, um, honest about their money situation and others just like aren't. And it's, I mean, I, I also making sweeping generalizations. Like, of course people are not going to be open about certain things either. Some of them won't be open about trauma and sexuality and like, and mental health and all of those things too. But if they're not about those things, they're definitely not going to be about money. Like, and you know it, there's those of you who are listening who might've put this on in secret and actually aren't like going to be open even about listening to this episode because you're at a place where money is this like dark secret where you might have, you might appear to have your whole life together and you do a really good job of putting up a facade and I'm, and then money is this thing where it's like, you just don't talk about and you sort of wonder how everybody else seems to have their shit together and you just didn't get this lesson you just didn't get it. You weren't brought up with it. You're wondering like where the secret is about managing money and finding it and keeping it and being smart and budgeting and all these things. And especially in a time when we have like this insane amount of pressure to have more, to own houses, to like have the next vehicle. Like these are things that we attain, that we procure, that we get that we add to our like kingdom of wealth. And you're sort of wondering at least, and I, I, I'm just, when I say you, I really mean me. Like this is me in my twenties. Um, like you're wondering like how a person can afford some of these things. Like truly, like how can they afford a new renovation? How can they like, like tell me the secret, please. And I realized through this journey of money and I'm going to get into it in a second. This is just a way of my long preamble is that, I personally did not grow up with a solid education on money and there's reasons for that. And there's others who did. And that right off the right, right out of the gate was, uh, was being held back to a certain degree because I just didn't fully get it. And the reason for that was because my, my family didn't have a lot of money. And I, I truly mean that. Like, I think, I think now I still have conversations where people don't know, you know, Winnipeg is Manitoba is a place where, where everybody sort of knows everybody. It's like the biggest small city where there's like two degrees of separation. And I know a a good amount of people for my job, for spin, for whatever. Um, and so I'll have these conversations where it's like, Oh, like, actually, where did you go to high school or where did you grow up or whatever? And I stay in the North end and in Winnipeg, that's a, that's a, this is like fully, fully honest. This is a place that is not as affluent as other areas of the city. River Heights, where I went to school is completely different than the North end. It is literally two worlds away. Um, the North end is, is people or profit. That's our slogan. And that's literally like on a building that you would come over the bridge. So like literally on the wrong side of the train tracks on the wrong side of the bridge is where I grew up. And not just in like, 
you know, there's suburbs within the north end of the city. And the north end is like a big, it's a big area. I, I grew up on a street called Flora Avenue. And there's there's a history of violence on the street. And I, I, I've mentioned this in other podcast episodes, but like really getting into this, like to understand my relationship with money and what I'm going to share with you, I feel like you have to understand like where you come from. So you might be doing this now as you're listening, kind of like thinking back to how you grew up. Um, and my, this, this, so grew up on Flora. I went to two schools in the North End, King Edward and Lansdowne. And I was sort of on the end of the block or like the end of the street. So the final block on floor. So it was like, not in like the middle of it. And that's that I think that's an important distinction because it was a little quieter. There was like a small little piece of the whole street. We backed up onto the old X grounds and to centennial pool area where I, I had swimming lessons. Like I had like a normal childhood, but there was also violence that happened. And there was also people on the street who didn't have anything or had much less than we did. And so I grew up with things like people trying to break into our yard, like all of our things being stolen, like our bikes being stolen from like, and not just being stolen, but being stolen from people we knew like birthday parties where presents would just go missing because there's this like sense of scarcity and like taking that just existed. And you might be thinking this is wild or you might be completely you know, like you might've experienced something similar, but like our friends would sometimes steal our things <laughs> like, and that is it, it not normal for me now where I live. That would not be a normal thing. Kids wandering down the street without any clothes on. And my mom having to scoop them up and like find out like they were literally lit in the middle of the road babies walking around like that, like toddlers, whatever, whatever age they were. I remember seeing this and this was like normal packs of dogs running around. (laughs) Like the amount of things we saw were just in retrospect, not normal for how other people that I went to high school with at Kelvin, which was a very affluent high school or in the North end grew up or sorry, in the, in river Heights grew up. Uh, in the south end of the city, like literally on the other side. And I started to have this realization when I switched schools. And the reason for that, like, I'll try and be quick, quick about this, but grade six, my, like my parents were always sort of getting out of there. They were, um, neither of my parents finished university and they were young, young ish. Like I was born when I was 29. I'm in my thirties now and I have no kids. And so it's, it's hard to imagine having two kids by the time I was 30, which she did. And my dad's a year younger. So they were young, young parents and just trying to make it. They had jobs where they, one would work during the day and one work at night and they'd just be like passing ships because daycare was expensive. And so like that was, that was our life. And yet we lived a very, very happy childhood. I want to make that clear, um, in a lot of ways. And our, our house was in this, like, my mom was a gardener. So it was really, she just made this space so beautiful. And the house itself was gorgeous that my dad did renovations and was very handy. And so we had this like secret garden Narnia situation where there'd be like babies wandering around on the street and like violence. And then behind our huge hedges, 
and huge fence was like this um, like playground was like an actual play structure full swing set full garden full like vines crawling up the house like absolutely gorgeous place i had a mural i had like two rooms i had a mural that my mom had painted it was it was so different and so I felt like when I changed schools, so again, grade six, my parents were kind of like trying to get us out of there and anticipated moving to the south end somewhere. And so I moved from uh, from Lansdowne to River Heights Junior High and went to grade seven, eight in there. And that was a huge culture shock, like huge. Like kids who had cabins, that was not a thing. Kids who went on holidays, that was not a thing. Like we went... We went on, you know, one every year we'd rent a cabin somewhere, um, but we didn't have our own. That was a wild concept. We didn't, I'd never been to Disney World. I never, I still haven't. <laughs> we never traveled on a plane anywhere except for like one time for a family reunion. Um, that just really wasn't my, we never went skiing, you know, like that was like not a thing. Um, but, and yet my parents did everything that they, you know, I had lessons, I had all these things. I just, so I felt like I could walk between two worlds to a degree, but there was just some very clear differences in terms of our income that I was beginning to understand in terms of name brands, things in terms of like, a, like allowance, that sort of stuff that you start to understand as like a 12 year old, you know, like the glimpses I had seen growing up, but then really fully kind of got it. And it's, it's a weird thing because I think that at that point, this, the secret, the secrecy and kind of shame around money started to develop because I became keenly aware that my reality was different than others. And yet, like I had a really happy child that a lot of people's parents were divorcing. And so they had that secret. So it wasn't like anyone was worse or, or better. It, I mean, I, I would potentially argue that we had a happier family than a lot of people did. Um, a lot of friends, families did, but there just, there just became this like secret thing, you know, anybody who's listening, who's experienced that, knows right it's like never getting the name brand like cereal or whatever because those were treats like you'd always get the no name stuff you'd always get like the bulk barn things we did like if we went to the movies we would bring our own popcorn like all of those sorts of things that I'm not saying this in a way to like at all um how do I say this like insult or like shame my own upbringing this was my reality and my parents did everything for us like literally everything to make sure we had a happy childhood there just were these differences that were you could not get away from and I can't imagine the amount of stress my parents had and specifically um yeah I I honestly can't imagine the amount of stress because I've been there um as an adult where you just like you don't know where your next how you're going to do something, how you're going to pull it all together. Like you just truly can't do the math and you feel desperate. And I imagine that my parents probably felt that at some times. And there was some, there were some situations that took place where I, I became aware of money being a problem that I have unearthed now as an adult where I realized that the anxiety and the, um, 
what was happening in the house in terms of like that feeling of just the, the, the palpable anxiety was because of money and because of a big bill or because of, uh, yeah, like the water bill or something happening. Um, or the fact that my parents couldn't like, couldn't work the same hours. And it was in retrospect, something that I internalized and I didn't realize it. And you might be thinking you might be having these moments now. I highly recommend going to therapy and having a therapist kind of walk you through this. Cause there was this narrative that I was perpetuating that my, that it was perfect. And like, it was, you know, money wasn't really an issue. And like, I had this cool upbringing where we were kind of hippies and my parents were cool and yeah, we didn't have money, but whatever. Like, but there's also, there's also things that, that you internalize as a kid that you don't realize until you're an adult. And even then you might not realize them. So this is your permission to go to therapy because even in, even 10 years into therapy, I had new realizations about my childhood and things that I was taking on my shoulders, um, because I wanted to make everything okay. And I wanted everybody to stop worrying. And even the worrying, the constant worrying manifested as anxiety and then became a major anxiety disorder for me, which many of you know, if you've listened to A's for anxiety, um, episode where I talk about like the physical manifestation of anxiety and all that sort of stuff. And this isn't to like dwell on it. It's just, I'm realizing that money was a big part of that. So now moving into, um, sort of teenage and young adult years, I, I just never had the understanding of like how to save money. Like I just didn't like, it just would seem seemingly come and go. Um, and it was after I met my two of my good friends, I'm still good friends with. And I realized that they were putting away, like they were just give their parents half of their paycheck to, to invest. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, that's, what do they do with it? They're like, they invest it. I'm like, who invests this? Who's, who's investing this? There's a, there's a people that are investment advisors. Like I literally did not understand. Like I knew about the stock market. I knew about that stuff, but I, I did not understand funds. I didn't understand how you could invest money and then get it back. Like, and that might sound wild to some of you. If you had this money, financial education, like great. Um, I did not because we, I, for, from my understanding, we didn't have investments. Like we were likely living paycheck to paycheck with debt. I, I had no idea how you did this. And that's not a lot. That's not a, uh, an attack on my parents or anything like that, but like, they just, I just did not get this financial education. And it wasn't until I was working uh, I mean, I had jobs from the time I was 15. So I, with zero savings to show for it, um, until I was getting ready to pay for school. And that was a known thing that I was gonna have to pay for school and, f- and just figure it out. And I remember serving at a job at a restaurant and tuition was due like the next day. And I was like, I was coming up short and I was literally like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And I didn't even think being late was an option. I was, I think I was like a hundred dollars short and I ended up being able to switch with somebody so that I could stay and close out the restaurant. And I just made it like just, just made it. And so this is a university and a lot of people go through these things in university. And I, I, this wasn't me going into debt. I didn't have a student loan. I didn't think that was even possible. Again, literally zero understanding of this. And 
I, I just made it. And I just was like, I hate this feeling. I hate this feeling. Like there's no other feeling like it. And I'm sorry if you were expecting like a fun and happy episode, like we'll get to that. We'll get to the, like how you can, how you can get to a better place. But there's a lot of, of shit that happens when you have these reckonings where you're in a low, low place. And this was not the lowest place for me financially. Like, let me be clear. Um, this was just, I think one of the things I remember like running around being like praying that somebody would come in the restaurant so that I could serve them and, and make some tips. And I needed tips, not the paycheck because I needed that money right away in my pocket, man. Moving forward, I had a slew of jobs. I started working um, full-time for a gym and started understanding sales and commission. And that was a wild concept where like you kind of ate what you killed. And if you were to make more money, it was because you were staying for longer. And just like, it's really drilled in like the possibilities of being an entrepreneur sort of in your own business to make as much money as you wanted. But it literally, it it almost killed me in the way of, of the pressure and the stress. And I think that that sort of dissuaded me from entrepreneurship for a while even though now I'm, I'm kind of coming back around to that and I actually love sales and I, because I'm selling something I believe in and like coaching and all of that sort of thing. <clears throat> but it was, it was a lot. It was, like I was able to see the fruits of my labor come in and be like, wow, I just made an extra two grand on this. But again, because I didn't have the financial understanding of what to do. And I had been, I had grown up in this scarcity mindset where money was like not a thing that we had. I didn't even feel comfortable having money in my bank account. Like I didn't feel and like, let that sink in for a second because you might, you might, I'm hoping this is resonating where you might now have a realization that you're not comfortable having a certain amount of money in your bank account, partially because you don't expect it's going to stay there because you've never had consistency with having that number. So that number for you might be three grand. It might be 10 grand. It might be 20 grand. It might be whatever number it is. It might be one grand. It might be $500. Whoever you are, you might have a threshold where you always have this certain amount of money in your bank account. And when it goes above that, you seem to find ways to make it disappear because there's always this un, like never ending list of to do's and things you want. And so you spend it and then you go back to that number and you're like, why, how, how did it just disappear? How did it just disappear? And so just sit with that question, if that resonated for you, because that was a big realization for me that I needed to start upping that number in my mind of what I was comfortable with and understanding why I was not comfortable with money. Switching gears for a second, like let's just move through the twenties and, you know, this consistent scarcity mindset of like never having enough and, and somehow making it disappear not being good with and like spending or saving and, and moving out of my own and figuring out that I needed to, to keep a certain amount of money in my bank account for emergencies and for things and for dogs and for surgeries and all that sort of stuff. And my, then my mom died and I have talked about this before, but the immense guilt that I felt from her passing and the way she died and the fact that 
I felt responsible, um, even though she tried to absolve me of that. But for, for those of you who obviously, I, I'm assuming you know this, but she passed away um, because of her mental illness. And you can listen to that in the first episode, the whole thing. But my mom was a person who was the most frugal person I knew, who never bought herself anything new ever. And if it was, it was on sale. Uh, we always had groceries, we always had food in the fridge, and so she'd spend money on that. But she was a hard, hard, hard worker. She did not believe in spending excessively. She didn't believe in like really like holidays or vacations where you go out. She would prefer to eat at home and then go to restaurants. She wasn't comfortable in restaurants really, like. Um, because of prices of things. And I just think that she grew up in, in a, in a place and in a time where I, I can't even begin to understand, but she brought that with her as an adult and then passed a bit of that on to me. So there's always guilt of spending money. But then when my mom passed away, I felt, um, so much guilt for, for not being there for enough and not being able to stop it that, I felt like I needed to punish myself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I did that by staying in a toxic relationship where there was, um, an emotional abuse, um, where there was, I was with a narcissist and it was, it was awful. And I didn't realize that until I was out of it, but I felt like I deserved that for, to a certain degree. I punished myself by not going to the gym by like literally, like saying the worst things possible things to myself about being like disgusting and ugly and um and then like almost willing that to come true I didn't spend money on like my appearance or anything like that I just I mean I was a I was a I was a shell of a human I didn't feel deserving of anything good that happened to me. And so when something bad would happen, I'd always be like, this is, I'm, I'm more comfortable with something bad happening to me than I am with something good. I know that's a hard thing to, to, to understand for those of you who, who, who can't. Um, and even though she passed away in the way she did. And so that would negate some benefits from life insurance and all of that. There was still life insurance money that I got. And in the end, um, also her pension, I was with somebody at the time, as I mentioned, and we were able to buy a house as a result of this. And um, all of a sudden, I had more money than I had ever dreamed of having in my bank account. And I still had this mindset of of not being comfortable with it. And also now this mindset of you don't deserve anything and especially feeling guilt about somebody's passing and then having money, it's almost like you're rewarded for this passing and you feel disgusted with yourself you feel disgusted with even having this money in your bank account it's like it's not like winning the lottery it's like here your mom's dead and you feel responsible and now here's a bunch of money and you just feel disgusting and I tried not to I really tried not to I bought a new vehicle I obviously bought our house for us um, and was able to uh, not like that was on cash. I just was able to like put a down, a down payment and then kind of fund our lives and tried to do things like vacations and went to Hawaii and, and I was able to give my partner money to pay off some of his debt and things like that, but I still felt uncomfortable with it. And so I was, I decided I like, I didn't decide this. I just started doing it where I would spend excessively. I would buy friends presents that were like $500 for, for Christmas. 
um, and also because I like didn't have a lot of family around me at the time, I would just just not really keep track of it. I obviously was like I had an advisor, but like you know he wasn't really the right one for me, and so wasn't being wasn't. I needed somebody who was heavier handed and to say like, you need to like curb this or like, let's take a look at your, your spending and let's take a look at like what, what's going on here because this, you, it's not like you're making this. It's not like you're an entrepreneur who's going to have this recurring income. Like this is a finite amount. And like, let's just fast forward to then the relationship ended. And, um, unfortunately this person and I had not, written a cohabitation agreement. Um, and when you put a down payment in both of your names, that means that they own half of everything that you have and, um, they own half of the house. And even when there is a verbal agreement of like, what would happen if this ever, if this ever, this relationship ever disintegrated or like came apart or whatever, whatever words you want to choose, a verbal agreement doesn't hold up, especially if that person changes their mind. And so as I was in a very odd position where I was then the person, even 10 years younger, I was the person who had more money, more to lose and effectively lost half of the house, even though I had paid for it all and um had paid for all the furniture and all that sort of stuff i i was responsible for this person um to pay them out which and that sum of money is what kind of um destroyed my faith in humanity for a while <laughs> to be honest um i had dealt with fighting for money for my mom's estate with my with family members i had um, dealt with a lot of things, but this was sort of the nail in the coffin for me with, with understanding that money can, can really affect people in a way that changes who they are or, or makes them become like a, a terrible version of themselves, um, because of greed and all of that sort of stuff. And, and in, in the end, you know, I knew that it was, it was just to punish me for, for ending this relationship and, and this person was hurt. Um, but I had to give a car away. I had to pay an actual check. I had to give away half the furniture and it, it really, it just it like what I had left from my mom's money from my was gone, was gone. And I, the shame that comes from that was really hard to bear. And so the cycle of like it was, it's this odd, this odd sort of dichotomy of feeling unworthy of having that money. So I wanted to like subconsciously get rid of it. But then once it was gone, I felt like I had failed my mom in a, in a way. And of course, like I still have the house. I was able to maintain that. Um, I was able to maintain a vehicle, but I had then developed all of these spending habits that weren't conducive to the amount of money I was actually making. And so there's like, it was almost this irony where I found myself in a worse financial position than I had been before I had it because 
I had like increased lines of credit and I had credit cards and that, that I had seen this major amount of money in my bank account and we're like, yeah, here, take all, all the credit like you want. And it was one of the lowest times because as I, I mentioned, my mom was the most frugal person. I just thought how ashamed she would be of me for like acting like this. There's a reason why people who win the lottery lose all their money. It's because they don't know how to manage it. And in this like deep dive of me thinking about money and thinking about my mindset and understanding where this approach was developed, which was like deeply rooted in my childhood, as I've mentioned, I heard this saying, it's like, if you can't manage a hundred dollars, you can't manage 10,000. If you can't budget a hundred dollars, you can't budget a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand. Like it, it doesn't matter. You getting more money is not going to improve your money situation. If you don't have the habits to budget, to invest, to save and to spend. And there's always these justifications we have of, you know, I need this or I really need like whatever. And like, as soon as you don't have it, you realize how, with how little, like you can actually be fine with. Like you don't actually need a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account, or you don't actually need the hundred twenty thousand dollars of a salary, or to make six figures, as they always say. It is truly about feeling confident and comfortable with having a plan, and so now we're in this like low, low, low rock, rock bottom place, and I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring y'all back up. Stick with me, stick with me. But what changed for me was. Having this realization, I would say the the most monumental realization, the biggest shift for me happened in this past year. So I've maintained this house. I've gone through these ups and downs and I lost a job and then gained another and realized that my salary was actually like the most I've ever made in my life. And after this, this, this hustle, like, and like that was, that was a proud moment for me. It was also a proud moment because I was able to finish my master's and have now three degrees under my belt. And the the hustle for that obviously comes from the fact that my parents didn't finish university. And I'm like trying to carry this torch farther than my mom could have ever dreamed for me. She wanted to go back to school and I wanted to like, she wanted me to finish my bachelor's degrees. That's what she wanted when I passed, when she passed away. And then to get my master's on top of that and do it in like in a way that I was on the honor roll and have now achieved all these things. It's obviously to make my mom proud, right? It's to heal that mother wound. But this money thing was like the final frontier because I didn't want to live like my mom had, which was scared. I knew she was scared. I knew she was always worrying. So what I have done now after making a salary where I'm like, wow, okay, I need to like take a moment to celebrate that. I still have things to pay off. I still have, you know, my master's degree to, to, to finish paying off. And I, I no shame in that, you know, (laughs) of all the debt I've had in my life. That's the, that's the best kind, even though some would argue that you shouldn't have any, which is, um, BS in my opinion. And so I started doing like Research and and realized that I I was almost now when anytime I had a certain amount of money in my account I was almost like 
paralyzed and frozen because I just didn't want that to happen again where I would like somehow lose it or somehow not know where it all went. And so I've written down my goals. So if you're in a place where you are finding like, Hey, I, I have these, I know I want to live differently, but I don't know how I would start by writing down how you want to live and, and do it in a way that you are actually like in that space already. So for me, I was like, I have X amount in my account consistently. Credit cards are paid off consistently every single month without feeling like, oh, like I, I, you know, was nervous about the bill. I am saving X amount per month. Like you, I'm always, I'm already putting myself in that future state of where this is my life. And I, this is going to be my whole, this is going to be my goals for 2021. I hit that goal of having X amount in my account within the first two months. And I, I don't know if this is really how manifestation works. I really don't know. But for me, that was like, okay, I can do this. And it built this level of confidence of being like, it's actually not as hard as I made it out to be. I set up, I met with my financial advisor and was like, I need you to take this money out of my account, like X amount per month and just take it out. Let's do a risk assessment with what I'm comfortable in terms of investing, investing. These are my goals. I want to buy a cabin. Like I'm telling you all that right now. I want to buy a cabin. I want to like come full circle on this dream of holidays and family vacations where we'd rent every week. And now I want to have, I want to have that for my family. I want to like heal this, this financial wound, whatever it is that existed with my, my family. And I want to, I I want to give my kids, if I have kids, a legacy where they're set up differently and not just set up, but they have the, they have the minds that they have the education. This is not about knocking my parents. Like my parents did a phenomenal job with, with us. And again, we never wanted for, for much, you know, but that understanding of, and that comfortability with wealth is something I'm currently working on. I want to be comfortable being wealthy. And for some reason, like we feel odd to, we feel like ashamed to say that in the today's world. Like I want to be comfortable being wealthy. I want to be comfortable being wealthy in time, in friendships and relationships. I want to feel like I deserve good things and then to have good things happen to me. I don't want to be where I've been in the last decade where I'm constantly punishing myself. And then when bad things happen, I almost feel a sense of relief because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm used to like, that's what I deserve. I'm, I'm a person who deserves bad things. I'm, I am actively flipping that script and this is my permission. I'm being really honest with (laughs) y'all. Y'all I'm being really honest with y'all. I want good things to happen to you. But you have to like shed this feeling of shame about wanting good things. Shed the feeling of shame about feeling like you deserve good things and say it and write it down. Like we have this weird thing in our world today where it's like you should be humble and if good things happen, you should be surprised. Like, no, I am actively trying to make good things happen for myself And if something doesn't feel right, if I feel out of control with a certain amount of spending, like every year I spend a lot of money on my garden and by a lot of money, I mean like a garden trip could be a hundred dollars per time. Like it could be more than that, 
but it brings me a great amount of joy. And so what I'm trying to do this year is track my spending for my garden so that I know when it gets to a certain threshold, I'm like, that's it. That's I'm done. I've budgeted X amount for this project and I feel in control. And for me, control is a plate. This is a part has a big part in this. So back, back to the investment advisor, money comes out of my account every single, every single paycheck and it's just gone and I can't touch it. And for me, that's really, really helpful. That might be helpful for you. I also use Mint, which is a free budgeting tool that that what I personally love is that I have a business account. I have multiple credit cards. I really only use one, but I have multiple credit cards because you don't want to cancel your longest amount of credit. So now we're getting into like some specifics and I'm, I, I don't want to get too specific because I, these are things that I just know now. Um, but I, I would prefer that you hear them from a financial expert. Um, but if you have a credit card that like for me, I have one that I opened when I was a student thousand dollars, which felt gigantic at the time. Um, I, your credit history, like the amount, like your, your credit score will be built on your longest sort of relationships that you have with banks. And so closing that credit card wasn't really like a good, like an option for me, but I, I don't really use it and I've adjusted the credit limit and, but it's not one that gives me the most rewards. So I don't use it. And I, I literally don't. Um, and again, like there's another credit card that I opened that didn't have really a lot of benefits, but I just let it sit and I don't really use it. And then there's the one that I have the most rewards for WestJet. The irony, I can tell, I know, <laughs> I know there's nowhere to go, but when things open up, I'll have a ton of points and WestJet dollars. But so I use Mint because it allows me to see all of my accounts. So you can connect all of your credit cards, your line of credit, um, whatever debts you have, and also whatever accounts you have. If you have multiple, if you have a Wealth Simple account, which I'm not really a huge fan of, but others love it, um, you can connect. I have like if your investments, if you're there with Investors Group or somebody else, and they have online banking, you can connect those online accounts so it can see your entire like snapshot of what you have and what you owe and then track all of your spending across all of those accounts and it'll automatically sort them into categories for you so like automobile house um just based on the transactions and sometimes you need to go in there and adjust them because like it thinks that i'm using buying a ton of gas at go up when it's actually just where i shop for groceries but then you set your budgets and you set your budgets of like what you think you're going to spend um for me like a mortgage is obviously a set one and And then beyond that, it'll like, you can see how much you're spending against that budget. And sometimes you set a budget and you're like, Oh, actually I'm way over or I'm way under who knew it'll help you just like get feeling like you're controlling it. And my best piece of advice is because money and financial financials can bring this level of shame and secrecy, like the way to combat that shame and secrecy is to take a look at what you've got and like really dig into it. And I know it might feel really tempting to just avoid and not confront it and to pretend like it's not there. But as somebody who's gone through this, like you can be secret all you want with other people, but like owning up to it yourself and unveiling like taking back the curtain and just like looking at it is not as scary as it seems. And the, 
just do it. Like literally just do it. Just count to five and just do it. You can, you can listen to the procrastination episode for all the tips on how not to procrastinate on this, but I'm telling you the sense of relief you're going to feel because it's probably not as bad as you think. And if it is, then the only way to get out of there is to make a plan. Use free tools like mint. They're, they're not as, they're literally not a sponsor at all, but it's helped me significantly talk to an advisor because even if you're putting away $50, $25 a month, that's going to, f- and like getting it out of your account into an investment that's going to be generating interest and compounding interest means that you are going to feel confident learning about how RSPs, if you're in Canada, how RSPs can help you offset any taxes. Or even if you're not in a place where you're going to be paying taxes, this is the first year I'm paying taxes, which is wild. Um, you, uh, get, investing in an RSP will make will get you all of that like money back essentially like on your taxes so you're going to make more at tax time you're going to get a bigger check like having these little things if you're saving up for a house sorry back to the RSP if you're saving up for a house in in Canada you can do like you can use your RSP as a down payment and in like house buying time right now which is seems like an insane endeavor. I can't, I can't imagine. Um, you can use that RSP and then you just pay it back and you get a first time home buyer's credit. So there's all these things that you can do to feel like you're getting sense of control back and inch by inch by gaining that control back, you're going to feel empowered and you're going to feel like you have a plan and it's going to help you feel less ashamed about where you've been because you know where you're going. And you have this idea of, I am a person who has this much in my bank account. I am a person who's making this much. Now, for those of you who are fitness instructors or who have an interest in it, like let's talk about that for a second because for some reason it's like, I, I don't know any other side hustle where there's this weird thing about like wanting to make money as, as, as an instructor. It feels like you should be this humble servant who like volunteers their time. Let's be real for a second. Like it is a second job. It is a second job that can help pay your mortgage or your rent or whatever. For me, on top, like when I looked at my T4s from this past year, obviously 2020 was a bit of a wash, but it's still like a good amount of money. It was still an amount of money that like was, was great to have. Like there's opportunities that exist within side hustles, whether you're a fitness instructor and you're developing your own coaching program, whether you are doing affiliate um, marketing is you're like, you're getting affiliate links and you're able to promote things and then get kickbacks for that. Like there's opportunities for you to make more money if that is going to help you. But it starts, it starts with your mindset. It starts with your approach to actually like keeping money in your bank account and being comfortable with it and understanding where your approach and where your relationship with money started. But once you're there, find a way if you can, if you have the time, if it's going to serve you to bring in another revenue stream, I did this significantly this past year and I'm going to, I want to save a bit of this too for the financial expert, but, but this past year, I, I feel comfortable saying to you that I made, I've made the most money I've ever made in my life to the point where I was shocked when I did my taxes. And part of that was because 
I was unemployed for like three months. Um, but during that time, I immediately started side hustling and freelancing and doing communications work um, on my own. Is I just have this sort of like hustle mindset, and I always have this this like this you know multiple jobs at the same time has always been my reality. So that was like I just shifted into that. But then through spin, through the different jobs I've had, through all these things, it culminated in me making the most amount of money I've ever had, and. That was what prompted me to develop my mindset because I was like, I'd have no excuse to feel out of control because I'm getting this revenue streams. I now have multiple revenue streams coming in. This is on me to learn how to manage this. This is on me. Like I'm, it's just me here. I, I am the sole owner of my house, which is also a very big, huge thing for me was to be able to be approved to have this house as my own. And I'm very, very, very proud of that because even, you know, even with my, my relationship ending, just being able to be the sole owner on a title and, and have the bank approve you for that is, is a difficult thing. My dad had to come on as a co-signer for like 1% of the house, just, just in case, whatever. And after some amount of time, we were able to take him off. And, and my dad was like, had tears in his eyes when he, when that happened, because he was just, he was proud of me. And I was proud of me. I'm very proud of me. Even, even though I was able, I was given a, an incredible gift to kickstart this journey of home ownership, I still worked really, really hard and scraped and, and it was the, the one thing that kept me motivated to like keep my shit together enough was to, was to maintain this place, this like peaceful place for myself. So where to go from here? If you're in a place where like you might have been like me at some point, or maybe there's, there's shades of this story that are resonating with you. I would highly recommend taking, taking steps towards doing some of the things that I've done journaling. I hate journaling. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, uh, I've had some realizations recently of, of why I am the way I am and why certain activities keep my attention and others don't. But, but for me, writing down feature state Hannah is really, really fun. And to actually go back and check things off and write little messages back to myself being like, you're doing it. You've done this. It feels so incredible. It feels like, I mean, it feels amazing. And again, this is just me, right? I just kind of went on a tangent there. It's just me doing this. This is on me. If I want to buy a cabin, I can do it. I just have to prioritize that amongst my other things. I just have to have, get help from somebody who can help me do that and in terms of like advice and a plan. It's realizing that I don't know everything and I have to make up for all this like lack of education that I received. I have friends who have owned five properties, five rental properties, and they and they have a normal job, nine to five, but they have they've started out with such a strong financial education that they have been able to generate this momentum to invest and invest and invest and invest and get all of this revenue coming and then back into their savings, back into their investments. And they have 
amazing financial goals of like millionaire level status. That's not my personal goal, but I, I, my goal is to be incredibly financially secure, independent of anybody else so that whatever I feel like I have choice in my life, I feel like I can choose to give my family experiences, give myself experiences, no matter what, feel like I can afford to have a family. I can afford to have a, a, a baby and not be stressed about it. And like, that sounds ridiculous. Of course I'm going to be stressed. It'll be probably the most stressful thing that ever happens in my life. But do you get what I'm saying? I want to paint a picture of possibility for you. And I know that you might not be in the space to hear it. You might be in a space where you're like, bitch, I'm just trying to fucking like feed myself right now. I'm on ramen noodles. I listen, I've been there. I've been, I've been there probably more recently than you would think. We do a really great job of painting a picture of perfection for others. We do a really, really, really good job of saying everything's fine. But, and I, and I, I want you to know that this is a work in progress. Me being comfortable with money in my account is still a work in progress. And once you get to a point where you have money in your account, then it's increasing it, which is harder because you're like that, that number seems unfathomable to have X amount in my sitting there or, you know, investment in, in investments. It feels unfathomable, but you just keep raising that bar for yourself. And I might be speaking, I might even be like this, this, this narrative, this, this whole episode might be actually too low for you. Like this might actually not be what you need to level up. You might already have, like, you might be in a place where you're similar to me, where you're like, okay, I'm growing baby. I like this is, so then use this as your permission to say, it's okay to want more. It's okay to say, I want to feel wealthy in all areas of my life, including the financial health of my bank account. It's okay. Like I'm I'm a girl from from Flora Avenue who lived there for 16 years. We didn't move until I was 16. I took a bus every single day, 18 Cordon down to the 16 Selkirk. If you know, you know, on Main Street to Selkirk Avenue. Like I experienced things living in that area that I'm not touching on because I don't want that to be that's to be what this episode is about. But I never want to my kids to have that or or to be there again. And the amazing thing about financial future is that there are way more options than your experience might have led you to believe that there are. Me being an entrepreneur now, having a business, bringing in income was never like I didn't grow up with a family of business people. That's a possibility. Developing revenue streams from your Instagram account, from spin, from, from fitness coaching, from doing coaching programs where you have multiple people in your program at once. And so you're not trading time for money doing one-on-ones. These are all things, affiliate marketing. These are all things that you can do to bring in new revenue streams. And I go into this a bit with my course folks, with my coaching program folks, when we talk about like commission structures. We talk about how to fill your classes. We talk about wait lists and the benefits of wait lists beyond just the financial part, but actually obviously the financial part too. 
So if you're a fitness instructor and you're interested, like send me a message. I'd love to chat with you. I just want to give you permission to want more and to put yourself in a state where you are blessing yourself by thinking about the future person, the future, whoever. And I know that if you're in relationships or if you're in a marriage, like there's, you're probably working on mindset between the two of you, you, you both might have habits that need to be changed and you can't, you don't, you're, you obviously might feel like you're like carrying the ship. Um, I've been in relationships with people who have terrible money habits and they've affected me, but I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing that. I refuse. It's a self-care thing. It's a boundary thing. I've worked too hard to get here. So team, if you're in a place where you need help right now, download Mint, get, get cozy up with your financial state. It's going to be the best thing that happens to you. I'm telling you, don't just look at it when you're happy. Look at it when you are in a place where you're feeling worried because it's going to feel, it's going to help you feel control, understand the interest rates on your credit cards, understand the interest rates on your line of credit, understand like when payments are due, understand your credit score, get into your credit score, use Equifax, use a free checker to see what it is. Understand where you are so that when you are, are applying for a mortgage or something in the future state, the future person who's going to be financially secure, understand like where, how healthy that will be for you in terms of your mortgage interest rate because of what your credit score is. That's all thing. Anytime you open a new credit card, your credit, your credit score gets dinged. I'm going to stop talking about these things because the financial expert will help with this. But from a mindset perspective, do some work on understanding where you, how you were brought up, what your financial education is and what gaps you need to fill, how you need to parent yourself and your financial education to get to place where you are comfortable living the life that you are dreaming of. Let that sink in. You need to get comfortable setting yourself up to live the life you are dreaming of. It's not just going to happen to you. If you win the lottery and you have the same mindset that you currently do, it's not going to change anything. There is a threshold of happiness that exists. Like there it's, it's scientifically backed. There's a threshold of happiness that exists making a certain amount of money and anything above and beyond that does not change things. Like, so being grateful, having a plan of what actually truly brings you happiness and not just spending things aimlessly. These are things that I'm working on now. Um, and I invite you to work on too. I'm going to leave it there because this is a long episode. I'm going to come back with another one and we're going to be talking about other things coming up. I'm going to give you an injury update for me because I'm injured right now. I'm off the bike. If you, if this episode resonates with you, please leave a positive review. If it didn't resonate and you're just listening, you know, that's fine. (laughs) That's fine too. I, I'm really grateful for all of you. And I hope that me sharing my story gives you permission to look at yours. Um, and I just want to, I just want to send you all love. If you're in a hard time, I know COVID, I didn't even like really discuss the effects of COVID on income. And some of you, this might be a really painful time. So as I've mentioned before, come back to this episode, if it, if it's a something you need to hear at a different point, but I just want to paint the, the possibility of a future for you. That, that is one where you are receiving all that you deserve, where you are blessed beyond your wildest imagination, where you are achieving your goals and where you 
when good things happen, you feel like you deserve them. That's it, friends. I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. And yes, you can. Mm.